Dr. Jay Burke is a licensed psychologist and expert in electronic addiction. He also conducts social skills groups for children, adolescents, and young adults, along with being the developer of the Reboot program at Grand River Academy. You can find more information on Jay at jayburkephd.com. Jay Burke, welcome. Thank you, Mr. Cam. I appreciate the invite. Cam, I've been doing this for 25, almost 30 years, and I've been running social skills with kids just as long, kids and young adults. And what I found is, is that the gaming became a new issue, that it was creeping in slowly and then sort of took off. Because when you see kids with social issues, a lot of them are solely gaming, and that's about it right now. And that creates problems for them. So Early on, I started to see this is going to be a problem and somebody needs to start looking at it. And I started looking at the, the issues that were happening with the kids I was working with, as well as the parents not knowing what to do with the kids. And it was uncharted water. And that's why I was excited to find you and find some of the things that you've done and start to develop social skills groups that were uh, approaching some of these things with kids. Because as you know, like a large percent of teenage boys, for example, they socialize only online with their friends and they are losing skills. Like ride. a lot of kids I see nowadays don't know how to ride a bike because they haven't had those opportunities. They're just inside all the time. And so what are some of those issues that, that you are seeing where, you know, they don't have skills developed, like riding a bike as an example, what other kind of skills do you see are, are not being developed as much? So I see them, um, if something is set up for them, like an opportunity to just walk into an existing environment, like a gaming environment, they will socialize with people that they don't know so well. But at school, they're shying away from groups, they're not joining clubs, they're not joining teams. They're up all night because they have friends from all over the world. And what's happening is they're not developing hobbies. Hobbies are gone. Recreation's gone. And so the parents are stuck with this dilemma of how much time do I let them on the games? If I don't let them on the games, all their friends are on the games. They can't socialize. It's very complex. And so my theory is it's not games are not bad or good and necessarily by themselves. It's the balance that needs to be there. Um, and the social skills, if you have social issues, and there are particular groups we can talk about, Cam. For example, you know, because you know the research on it, but kids with ADHD, kids with autism are more likely to game more. And why not? If you have autism and you have trouble socializing anyhow, why not go into a gamer world? And the games they even play are different when you look at them. And another thing I found is that kids don't want to stick to something like being on the basketball team and working at it, maybe not playing as much as you used to and having to work to get your place on the team, it's easier just to hop on a game because you grind away and you get to where you want to be. So one of the interesting areas for me around gaming is that gamers who play, you know, who may develop problems, they tend to actually be very good at gaming because they spend a lot of hours in it, they focus really hard on it, and they do many different aspects different strategies in order to improve at the game. But then those ways of thinking, those mindsets, those skills of getting good at the game don't always end up being applied in other areas like being good at your job or uh, you know, developing face-to-face -face friends or uh, developing other interests or, or hobbies and pursuing those as well. 
And social skills is an interesting one to think about because games today are very social. Gamers aren't just playing games, but they're interacting with their friends, even from you know, the physical world. They're joining communities. They're talking on Discord. They're making new friends online. Mm-hmm. But those skills don't necessarily transfer to being able to be sociable in a job interview or at work or at school. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it's back to what I was telling you, Cam, is that the environment itself is set up for that. So you can be on a gaming platform with your friends or with people from all over the world, whether you talk, you don't talk, you join in, you don't join in. There's a lot of leeway in that. When you walk in a job interview, you're expected to talk. There are certain skills that you have to have, and you have to be able to answer certain questions. And, you know, when I break down social skills and I've been doing this for years, there are a lot of skills within the skill base, like making friends is different than keeping friends. Starting conversations is different than keeping conversations going. So, for example, if you walk in a group of people in a party, you have to know what to talk about. If you're on a game, you're already talking about the game. It eliminates that whole issue for them. So when they go into a non-structured gaming environment, they're lacking those skills. Now, another thing I'm finding is the immediacy of the reward. So kids will say, why would I want to give and take on a friendship and do something that a friend wants to do sometimes when I can just hop on a game and do exactly what I want to do with people who want to do exactly what I want to do? Right. So the structure of the experience really allows them to be more competent at it. Uh, There's maybe less anxiety, less of an unknown. And that's also one of the biggest issues that people have in their resistance to not gaming so much is, well, what else am I going to do? Or I'm going to lose all of my friends. I'm not going to know how to engage in the world. Well, that's what I think kids and young adults too go so nuts when people try to take away the games from them. They're like, you're taking away all my friends. And in essence, again, those friends aren't bad, but what I talk about is having a balance. Having friends at your school as well as online and having that balance in your life is so important Um, because they almost go into a panic in that situation. You know, a lot of people with autism too, they meet people, you know, when you bring up Discord, you know, you can go on Discord server and find about anything you're interested in looking for. Okay, and it's already narrowed down for you. I hop on a Discord server for people that are interested in blank. There they are, right there. And so I think that that's so enticing to a lot of people as different than what I call a terrestrial world where you have to operate and kind of muddle your way through things. You know, and again, gamers don't do a lot of small talk. That's another area to think about. You walk in a room of people, you have to do small talk, but gamers don't do that. They're already in the game. I can see how someone would want to spend a lot of time just interacting online because the effort it takes to find your tribe in the real world, in the physical world, can be a lot harder. Like you might not be in a city where it's easy to make new friends. Right, or a school where you've been rejected and things like that. I think that's hard for people. And Cam, another thing that people are missing is they're not out there in the world. So if you remember growing up, you went to other kids' houses, you went to the hockey rink, you had different rules you played by, you know, you had to deal with those situations. So kids are missing a lot of those situations where you operate on different people's rules, you sleep over a kid's house, 
you hang out in their yard, you play ball on the street. There were things you learned that you had to develop. And so we have a whole generation of individuals that are growing up without a lot of those skills. And those skills come into play in a work environment, a dating environment, a college environment. You know, it's hard. So they go off to college they, and they, dorm, they game in their dorm room. So I think what's missing is development of those fundamental skills. And we've got to work on helping kids, adolescents, and even uh, I have a lot of young adults in my groups too. Right. So you're working on these social skills groups with kids of all ages, not just kids, but also young adults. And that is similar to what we see in game quarters where, of course, sure, there are, are many adolescents or teenagers, but actually our most popular demographic is a young adult male, about 21, 22 years old, who's in college or struggling in college or maybe already failed. And especially on the social skill side, they're really struggling to kind of get out there. Social anxiety not wanting to leave the house, not wanting to make friends in, in person, just wanting to spend all day inside, gaming, you know, maybe wants to stop gaming, but now getting a job is really hard. And it's, it's not just teenagers who struggle, it's young adults. Right, so I'd give you a couple of answers on that. So my groups are age six through 28 right now. And they're different groups, there's 15 different groups. But I think what's important to understand is that the older individuals, you know, they're electing to stay in group. Maybe originally their mom brought them when they were younger, but now they're there because they see the purpose of those groups. And I think when you start talking about, you know, that anxiety, it's anxiety in a mental health aspect is the easiest thing to do is to avoid the anxiety. So if they avoid, it reduces the anxiety immediately. But of course, in the big picture, it limits their experience with getting out there. And that may be for a romantic partner. That may be for a job. And that's why the parents are really struggling, even helping them in their 20s. Example, I call it the reason behind the reason. So it's not just social skills. It's what hangs you up from acquiring the social skills. So if you're too anxious to apply the social skills or too depressed or rejected by too many people, you know, you have to build resiliency skills in the individual. And that's so important clinically, you know, in the, in the program that I'm running at uh, Grand River Academy, we are working on those resiliency skills because it's not like you're not going to feel anxiety. It's that a lot of individuals have avoided building skills to manage with that anxiety or you're not gonna get rejected every once in a while. No, everybody gets rejected. And so that's, I think, the key to the development of those skills. Do you believe that the average gamer that you're kind of interacting with is emotionally underdeveloped? So as you know, there's lots of people that just game and it's part of what they do and it's no big deal and it's just a recreational thing for them. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the people that are having the problems, yeah, I think there's emotional underdevelopment, social underdevelopment, and those are key aspects to any treatment that I think needs to be in play for them. Okay. And so you're seeing clients from all different age groups. They're coming in. Some are, some or all of them are struggling with gaming. Right. Some, some, I mean, I have a practice that deals with other things too, but the gamer population, yeah, they're struggling or the parents are struggling with what do I do with the kid because he just kicked in the TV or threw the remote or, fail, or refuses to listen or whatever. Right. And 
so social skills is one area that, that you focus on. You have these groups. You talked about a couple of different aspects of what kids are struggling with these days. Small talk, right? Not getting outside enough, not getting enough opportunities to be social. So what are some practical tips that, that you can kind of give the gamer out there who's maybe a teenager or a young adult who's looking to improve their social skills? Where do you start? So I would start with getting a posse, I think is important. You know, and a posse is people that you get together with that are not gamers, that you're doing something with. It could be marching band, it could be a hockey team, it could be, you know, cards, it could be anything like that. You know, I think also a lot of individuals aren't necessarily sports people. So, you know, even I, I say to a lot of kids and parents I work with, even the kid can throw and catch a ball and makes a difference in middle school because you're not going to get picked on as much. Just be decent at it, I think, is important. And that makes a difference. One of the other is, is that everybody experiences anxiety, depression, mental health issues. It's not, that's not uncommon. It's what you do when you get there, and it's developing some coping skills. So there's videos that you can watch on YouTube. There's books people can get. There's apps nowadays that are great. There's, uh, you know, a lot of meditation apps that we can use. And so it's developing a set of toolkit that those individuals can use, I think is so important. Yeah, I completely agree. And one tip I'll give people out there is there, there used to be this uh, desire. Sometimes you might have this, this thought of like, I, I want to have more interesting conversations. Like, you know, especially those people out there who don't like small talk. Small talk is kind of necessary initially just to spark conversation, but keeping it going, if you want to have more interesting conversations, you have to become a more interesting person. And when I was, you know, reducing my gaming, stopping gaming, and really kind of trying to create this new life for myself, I wasn't very interesting at the time. Like I had, I stopped gaming, so I wasn't really doing anything else. And so what I did was I started things to talk about, right? I had nothing to talk about. Exactly. Right. And what I started to focus on was every week trying to do something new, something random, just to create these different experiences in my life that would create stories and, and create reference points. So I tried salsa dancing. I went to a hip hop dancing class. I went uh, cliff jumping. I went jumping in a cold river, like whatever sort of random adventure road trip, uh, new experience I could have karaoke, whatever it was. I'd create a whole list and just start doing one every single week. And that really helped me to just create new stories in my life and create more conversations with people. And so if you're out there and you're kind of wondering like, where do I start? Maybe just start there, like try some new things. Uh, And you're not going to love everything, but you'll love some or you'll like some. But even if you don't enjoy it, you might have a fun experience and that might create a story for you. Yeah, so let me give you some things that might be helpful to your groups that's following on Game Quitters because I agree with what you just said. So a couple things that where people get stuck. Number one is just because you try it doesn't mean you have to do it forever. So if you sign up for a bowling league, it's eight weeks. If you don't want to do it after the eight weeks, whatever. You can try karate for a month and see if you like it because a lot of people get stuck on making a lifelong commitment and they're not. Okay, number two, this, these will be really important things that I think people could follow. You know, one of the ways that people are introduced to things, and, you know, you're younger than me and you can think about this, 
is that you get introduced through your family, you know, taking you to do things like we water skied and fished and do all kinds of stuff as a family or a friend introduces you to an activity that you never did before. So I went snow skiing the first time with a friend who took me snow skiing. Now, it doesn't mean snow skiing is going to be your favorite thing in the world, but enjoying your friends sometimes is more important than the activity itself. And a lot of people have trouble with that. So there's three tips I give the individuals I work with. Be fun, interesting, and interested. Okay, if you follow those three things, you will be socially successful. Being fun means you got to be a good guy to hang out with. You got to be, you know, kind of fun to be around. Some people are more funny than other people naturally, but that's just part of it. Being interesting, so having interesting things. And you can watch the news, you can watch a YouTube channel, you can watch something and have something just interesting, bizarre to talk about. But being interested is the biggest key. And that is remembering things about your friends. My friend had a game, my friend had this thing important and bringing up what's important to your friends. And that's huge, being fun, interesting and interested in others. If you follow those three keys, it helps you in almost any social circumstance, be it dating, friendships, whatever it is. Yeah, I completely agree. And I've definitely struggled myself with those at different points. And I can see how the, that combination really does simplify how you need to show up. Uh, and often it, it's actually just showing up with presence, which is essentially being interested. Like if you don't have a lot to talk about, you can ask really good questions and often people will share themselves and you can kind of use that to, to bounce off of. So even just asking questions and being interested in someone else often is more important than anything else that you could really be doing. Right. Cause people think you have to come up with the content, but you don't have to always come up with the content. You can learn more about what the other person is doing, you know? And I, and I tell people like if somebody talks about something and you're not really aware of it, you know, in today's world, you can hop on YouTube, and watch a video about it, know more about it in an instant to be able to talk to people about it. So that's great. I mean, it's again, technology has its problems, but also has its advantages too. Right. And yeah, I'll just share one more, which is choose your environment. Uh, I'm not much of like a club guy. I, I find the, the loud music to be very difficult to have a conversation and for me, cafes are where my sweet spot would be. So I'm in a cafe, I'm comfortable, I have coffee, maybe I'm working at my laptop and someone is next to me, whether it's a guy or a girl, it's easy to spark that conversation, just like a nice smile and, oh, hey, like, how are you? Like, what are you doing here? What are you working on? Or what book are you reading or whatever? And it's easy to get that going because I'm comfortable. Whereas if you put me in a nightclub, I would want to stand on the wall the whole time people watching because I'm so overwhelmed by the amount of stimulation. So you have to kind of pick and choose your environments if you want to be successful. Go to the environments where you'll meet interesting people or where you'll be comfortable and then it's easy for you to show up more socially. Yep. So people make it more complex, but I agree with that totally because what environment's more comfortable for you, that's great. And then what I teach individuals I work with is there's a secret to socializing, which since we're good friends, Cam, I'll pass it along to your group. And that is the easiest thing to talk about is why you're both in the same place at the same time. So if you're both in a cafe, you can talk about why you're there. If you're both at a wedding, you talk about the wedding. Who do you know in the wedding? 
you know, it's the easiest place to sit, start off. And I also would give another tip for people do, that get overwhelmed by environments. If you go to a wedding and there's like 10 people at your table, you actually don't talk to everybody at the wedding. You talk to a small group. So break the group down into smaller aspects and you're more successful at it. And I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by groups, but if you look at the group as a bunch of small groups, it feels a lot more comfortable to people. Yeah, that's now, really the other thing about that is that you're going to have some anxiety. So be prepared for the, some anxiety, but there's a, there's an anxiety curve that I'm not, maybe you played sports a lot. So you know about this, you get anxious, 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 but then it, the closer you get, the more you want to back away. But once you get into a game like a hockey game and you're playing that anxiety drops. Mm-hmm. So you got to get yourself over that curve point and then it feels much better. Now, a lot of gamer people I work with do overthink situations. Well, what if, what happens? What if I say something stupid? And the answer is you just say, hey, that was stupid. Let me rephrase that. Because a lot of people are thinking about all these things that happen, and yet they are going to happen, and they happen to everybody. And so I think a lot of people are so isolated that they don't realize that other people have the same experience that you do. And don't forget that people may be just as nervous as you in the situation. You know, they just might not show it. Exactly. They they might be happy you lean over and talk to them in a cafe because they're like, oh, my gosh, I was thinking about talking to this person. They're talking to me. Woohoo! <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. If you go first, it goes a far way. Yeah. Well, to uh, share an example, uh, when I was doing my TEDx talk, the first one, I actually blanked out on stage twice. And uh, this was in front of 2,300 people. So that was uh, an awkward moment. But each time, I just said, well, uh, this is awkward. <laughs> and the audience laughed. And I just started, I doubled back and I started again. And it was funny because at the end I was slightly embarrassed. You know, I had just like literally forgotten what I was supposed to say in front of 2,300 people, like, like an idiot. But so many people came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for just being honest because it made me look at you like I was up on stage and I wasn't trying to pretend I was an expert or like some fancy speaker. I was just like, someone like who was in the audience who found himself on stage trying to share his experience. And I wasn't perfect at it, but I was real and they felt more connected. And I think it's, it's a good example in my life that when you're, when you're honest, you're vulnerable, you're authentic, people will connect with you because a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff too. And when you show that, you know, you're a real person they'll feel more comfortable connecting with you as well because they're a real person too. And I, and I think that that, that connection kind of makes it for everybody, makes everybody feel closer, more comfortable. And it also is that levels of vulnerability that you opened up some vulnerability and you got supported by your friends or even people you didn't know made you feel more comfortable going, hey, you know, I've had this too because everybody seeks some validation in their life. That, you know, if other people think about it, Game Quitters is founded on the idea, I think you founded it. But basically, hey, other people got the same problem I do. 
and, and in essence, that makes people feel better in itself. You know, even if you did nothing, right? Beyond that, I know you do a lot more than that, but just the sense that there's a community of people that have the same problem I do makes people feel better. Exactly. So as we wrap up, I know, I know you have these social skills groups. I know you have a book on social skills. Tell people where they can find more about you. If they're interested in joining one of the social skills groups, what, how does it work? Where can they sign up? So a couple things is I can, I'm working with people all over the world right now. Uh, if you are interested in my books, they are available. Where else? On Amazon, because you can get anything on Amazon. Um, so you just look up Jay Burke, PhD, on Amazon. Uh, Quick Guide to Electronic Addiction and Social Skills for the Screen Age are the books that are out there. I'm working on a new book coming out. Uh, websites are two of them. One is called socialskills360.com, socialskills360.com. And if you look up jayburkphd.com, you'll find me. But it's J-A-Y-B-E-R-K-P-H-D.com. Now, uh, the groups I have in Cleveland, because some people don't understand this, but I just want to make sure it's clear. I'm in Ohio, but the social skills groups are virtual too. So people can physically be at the office, or we have a 360-year camera, which allows people to be in there, anywhere in the world. I have clients from Singapore. I have clients from all over the world that are in the groups. Uh, the groups are ongoing too, so that's kind of cool. So they meet every two weeks. People could stay in group and join group anytime they want and leave group anytime they want. So they're not like six-week series or something that you have to hit the numbers on. Um, and as you grow in group, you can move up to different age groups, which is important too. But the goal is there's a lot of groups out there, Cam, but what I want to share is we're not only working on the social skills, but we're working on the reasons behind the reasons. So maybe some people have the social skills, but they have too much anxiety to apply the social skill that they know. So that's important too, that we work on those pieces. So there's three parts usually that I say are important to kind of think about. Individual therapy to work on the issues that may be getting in your way. Social skills are an important part of it. And then if it's a kid, parent coaching is a part of it too. If they're a young adult, not so much a part of that. But it's kind of a three-pronged plan. And our reboot program at Grand River Academy um, takes kids from all over the world. It's cool because it's a very quality high school education that also works with people with electronic addiction issues or overconsumption issues. So I think that being in an environment, and this is something that I'm very clear about, being in what they call a milieu environment, an environment that wraps these things around you is important because if you're in a healthy environment, you're more likely to use the skills. Exactly. And it's never been more important to understand social skills, all the different skills that will help you be successful in your life from finishing school to getting a job to, you know, having a family and, and just living the type of life that you want. Social skills are a crucial part of it and any other area of, of your life, whether it's anxiety or depression, it's, a reason behind the reason needs to be addressed as well. And so thank you, Jay, for the work that you do. And for anyone who is interested, visit jayburkphd.com or send me an email, cam at gamecores.com, and I'd be happy to connect you with Jay. And thank you so much, Jay, for being here. Thanks, Cam. It's been a pleasure. I always love working with you. Stay warm in Thailand.